How would it be if you were able to communicate with your loved ones on the other side? Well, that is what psychic medium John Holland will share with us in this interview. John draws on his decades of personal experiences with spirit and shares with us how our loved ones are just a thought away and how we can still communicate with them. So let's head over to this fascinating interview now. So in your book, Bridging Two Realms, you share how we can tune into the spirit world and communicate with our loved ones that have passed over. And I would love to talk to you about this. But first of all, where is the spirit world? How can we tune into it? Well, a lot of people, when they say prayers or they're talking to their loved ones or to God, they always look up. But really, the spirit world is really all around us. It's all around us. It just vibrates at a higher frequency, so we can't see it. And it's too high of a frequency. So if one could increase their sensitivity, it's easier for those on the other side to get through. So the other side, it's all around us, not up in the sky or the clouds. No, exactly. So you also mentioned that there are different planes in the spirit world? Yes, there's different planes. And the physical being here, because it's all about frequency, the physical plane here is our physical world, then the etheric. And when most people see a speaker on stage or if the light is right, you'll see like a white glow around the person. That is their etheric body, which and there's also the etheric plane. And then it moves up to the astral. And that's where we go when we uh, pass away. And that's where communication usually happens between those that have passed away and us. And then it goes up to the mental. And then it goes up to the celestial. Now, many traditions and faiths have many different planes. But I focused on just those five. And in between each plane is a different level. So when you pass over, from what I hear, from what I've studied, from what other people have told me, is there's different levels. And, you know, someone may say that somebody is stuck. They're not stuck. They're just in between planes or in between levels. And I really believe that we all make it where we're supposed to go. And I think we have help when we get there to do that. Now, it may take a while to go from one plane to the other. But I don't believe anyone is stuck. So maybe it is that they go to that plane where they need to be for a while in order for them to maybe process and heal and go through various experiences that they need to go through in order for them to evolve as a consciousness. Absolutely. And the celestial plane where they say that the angels and guides dwell, that's higher a plane. And they've lived, well, the guides have. They've done many lifetimes or incarnations, and they can go higher. But we still can communicate on that level from the celestial, as you know, because there are a lot of people that talk to angels and guides here to the physical. So it's interesting, and I think people get it. You also mentioned something that I loved in your book, and it was about thin places. So can you explain what they are? The thin places, yes. It's a Celtic belief that there's a certain places on the earth where the other side is thinner than it is. Like I talked about Travone in Cornwall, very special place for me. Every time I'm there up on those cliffs, as a matter of fact, that's where I scatter some of my mom's ashes when she passed away because it was so stunning. I just feel closer to heaven. I feel closer to God. I just feel something. And some people feel it at Stonehenge, maybe. Some mm-hmm. people feel it in New Orleans, which is in the state. And some people feel it in churches where the other side is a little closer to this world than usual. So see, I'm sure you have one. I mean, there's mm-hmm. got to be a place where you go where you feel like every time you go there, you don't know why, but there's something special. Is there a place? Yes, I have Charleswell Gardens in Glastonbury. When I was sitting down by the well, it was a, such an overpowering experience. It was awesome. And also up on the tour in Glastonbury. So Glastonbury is a very special place for me. And it then is. also, yep. anytime you're in nature and your breath is just being taken away by the beauty of nature, 
that, does it, for me too? Absolutely. That's how I felt when I went to the Grand Canyon. I mean, you see it in pictures, but until you're actually there, it was stunning. I mean, when I saw the Grand Canyon, I knew there's a God. It's just stunning. But it could be different places for different people. I asked the listener to think of a place where you feel closer to God or to the spirit world. And I really believe it, that there are thin places. It's just, is it a vortex? It's more like a thinness between this world and the next. It's thinner. Yeah. Fantastic. So another thing, it's actually an experience I had, and I, you wrote something very similar to that in your book. And it was an experience I had when I went to Peru. And I had first gone to Machu Picchu, where I had an extraordinary meditation where I was being taken basically by Pachamama into her womb, so Mother Earth into her womb. And then a few days later, I, we were doing a ceremony again for Mother Earth. And she was showing me there is someone in my life that is coming to the end of her life. And Pachamama was showing me this person's life journey with me. So I got to see how she had seen me throughout my life. And it was it was an extraordinary experience. And then at the end, I was taken up into the heavens and I was being greeted by this lady's relatives. And they were telling me that they're waiting. They're already there to welcome her. And it was such an overpowering experience for me because I didn't expect this to happen. But it felt so joyous, although it's really sad that this lady will pass relatively soon. But it, at the same time, I felt there was so much joy and celebration in that. Absolutely. And in your book, you write that, that you have this gathering that they're there to welcome them. So could you please elaborate on this? There's a chapter in the book on Bridging Two Realms called The Ultimate Transition, going from this life, leaving this body. and I wanted people to know what I've experienced. I was there with my mom when she passed, not just as a medium, but also with people that have passed away. So see, I, Anita Morjani, I talked with her. Uh, Raymond Moody's work on near-death experiences. A lot of people are coming, well, they're coming forward now because years ago they didn't. People who have passed away with their heart stopped, they go to the other side um, and they come back and report or tell their story. People can talk about it now. And most of them, were always greeted by loved ones that were there. And I know when I'm doing a reading for someone, if I'm doing it on stage or in private, someone will come forward and I will say, you know, do you understand this person, this person? They were there to greet them. And they were like, that's my grandmother, that's my mother. So I know that nobody ever, ever goes home alone. And in, that, in the book, I talk about one of the most personal experiences because I wanted to share it, what it was like with my mom the minute she passed away. And I tell that story and I get a little weepy on stage, too, though, because it was so beautiful. I really felt her family come into the room. I wasn't there as John the medium. Mm. I was just my, her son. It's almost like when you stand in line and someone's behind you and you can feel someone step into your presence. That's what I felt. And I told my brothers, I said, they're here. Now, maybe I'm more sensitive than my brothers to physically feel these things. And as soon as I felt this, I said, put your hands on her heart, guys. And she took her last breath just when we did that. So they were there. Uh -huh. I know I, I want people to realize because I wrote the book basically for the bereaved and it took mm -hmm. on a life of its own. So the whole first part of the book is what happens to the person that's passed? What happens when they get over? And so I think that was important that to tell people whether it's a fast passing, slow passing, tragic passing, your loved one, your friend, your family, they never go home alone. There's somebody there. Mm. And what about pets? Oh, definitely. They are so there. And it's funny. I did a reading recently for a woman and she lost her mom and, you know, she came through. But right beside her, there was a big black, you say Alsatian, we say German shepherds. And she got real weepy. I find it amazing. 
that sometimes people get more emotional when the dog comes through <laughs> as opposed to the parent, you know, because they're very, very special. But uh, animals do go to the other side. And I see them with the people. So I know that they're waiting for you. Your loved ones, including your furry friends or feathered friends, they are waiting. And I did a demonstration in the fall of last year, and I was with a woman, and on her shoulder was a spider monkey. And I said, oh my God, I said, who had the spider monkey? Her brother had a spider monkey growing up, and she lost the brother. Well, believe it or not, the monkey is with the brother. Yes. <laughs> I mean, you can see cats or dogs, but when, you, when a spider monkey makes itself known, that's, that's kind of specific. It is, definitely. But what about when the pets pass over? Are they also accompanied by someone? I believe so, because they always come through. They never come through alone. I don't talk to the animals in a telepathy way. I know someone that does do that, uh, an animal communicator, but they're always with someone. They don't just come through alone, because for me as a medium, I need to do validation and evidence, but they're always there. And it's funny, a wife loses a husband, and the husband has the cat, even though he couldn't stand the cat in life, that cat <laughs> is with, with him. And, uh, and they find it funny that, uh, you know, that the cat is with them. But yeah, I mean, because there's no animosity over there. And, and if you think about it too, animals have souls. Yeah, They do. And some people believe that, no, they don't. They're a lower life form. They have souls. Oh, you me. There feel is a living, it. breathing. Absolutely. When I look into my dog's eyes, I know there's a soul looking back at me. Can they come back so they reincarnate? and come back later as a different dog, but in the same family. I don't know about that. Some people say yes, some people say no. In this field too, Sissy, you have to go with what you feel. I mm. don't believe they do, but maybe they do. I, I don't know on that one, but I know that somebody loses a dog and then they get another puppy and the dog that they lost, their new puppy acts just like the dog that they had, or you get a puppy and the dog is looking at something in the room that's not there physically. So maybe they do reincarnate. I'm not sure on that, and I'll be honest with you. But maybe also that the animal on the other side that you lost is so close to the animal here that they're mm-hmm. starting to emulate them. Mm-hmm. So it's different. It's, it's something to ponder, though, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. I find it fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Because the Buddhists believe that we come back as an ant. You can come back as a dog. You can come back as a ladybug. That's why they value all life. That's why Buddhists yeah. won't touch an ant, because you could be snuffing out someone's mom. Yeah. No, and it's, it's also having that reverence for all life forms to recognize that there is a consciousness in there. So how can we then build a bridge so that we can connect with the spirit world and our loved ones that passed over, but also with our spirit guides and with our soul, obviously, as well. So how can we build that bridge? I think it's by fine-tuning your equipment, which is your psychic body, which is where physical beings and where spiritual beings. I'm a big advocate and teacher of learn the mechanics of your psychic body. You have a psychic body or spiritual self. You have a physical self and a spiritual self. And for every physical part, there's a spiritual part. That's like the etheric body. If you tune up, if you learn the energy centers of the body, your your spiritual batteries, whether you're clairsentient, clairvoyant, clairaudient, and you fine-tune your aura so it's sensitive, you can turn it on and turn it off. It makes those on the other side easier to connect. As a medium, when I connect to the other side, I raise my energy. And some people don't understand that. I raise my consciousness and those on the other side lower theirs. Mm. Then there's a melding of the two. That's how I'll start um, when I go on stage or with someone. My R is expanded. My energy centers are open. Uh, People on the other side, they lower theirs. Remember, because earlier in the interview, we talked about higher frequency. That's why we can't see the spirit world. That's why it's rare to see spirit people because they no longer have a dense physical molecular body. So you raise your energy they lower theirs, and that's when I will hear, see, and feel the information. There's all kinds of techniques in there, whether it's just get real quiet, 
real quiet and you go in a room, you light a candle, you put a picture out of them and welcome them into your space. You may feel a warmth. You may feel a kiss. Uh, you may feel, hear something that sounds kind of spooky, but it's not. I mean, they're your loved ones. And because we're in a world, sissy, where there's so much noise, so much electronics, your own intuition can't even get your attention. Never mind the spirit people, unless you get quiet. Mm-hmm. You have to get a little soft. And your soul is all around you and it's inside of you. And you can also journey to your soul, to your own soul. And I tell my students, a lot of people, they want to connect to the other side. And we have this thing, sissy, as mediums, sitting in the power sitting in the own power of your own spirit first, or your soul, you know, in this case, same thing, before you connect, because there's a power there within each one of us, but we forget it. We pull away from our souls constantly, and life has a way of pulling us away. So if you get quiet and realize, I am a soul, honor the spiritual side of you as well as the physical. And then with that, because I do believe that our soul speaks to us all the time. It's just that we, we don't hear it. So how can we learn to differentiate between the voice of our soul and the voice of the ego or mental chatter or whatever is going on. That's a good point. Your soul is trying to get your attention all the time through your dreams, but sometimes we don't pay attention to them. Dreams are a wonderful, wonderful resource. And I did some work with Kevin Todeshi. He's the president of the Edgar Casey Foundation at the Association of Research and Enlightenment. A lot of people know of Edgar Casey. He's passed away, the, the sleeping prophet. Mm-hmm. And he teaches a lot about dreams. They're a wonderful resource. They're not just things that get dumped into your brain or your consciousness when you sleep. Sometimes, yes, it could be just a brain dump, but your soul tries to speak to you that way, uh, very symbolically. And we just wake up and say, oh, that was crazy. If people only took the time to write out the dream and learn the symbolism, they're trying to talk to you all the time. When I'm in water in my dream, and I'm wading through water or a lake or a pond, calmly, and there's water up into my chest, I know I'm going to get my bronchitis. You see? Water lung, and it can be easy. I can decipher a dream pretty easier than I used to. So your soul tries to get your attention through your dreams. Next is intuition. And you've heard it before. It could be a gut feeling, a knowing, a word, a synchronistic event, but we don't pay attention to it. We know we shouldn't go down that road. We know we shouldn't be uh, with that person. But our logical mind says, no, no, no. Yes, you can. So that's logic, ego. That stops us. And then there are synchronistic events. Your soul tries to put you in a synchronistic event. You haven't seen somebody in years, Sissy, and you're thinking of them. And then all of a sudden, you're at um, Tesco's or a supermarket, and you run into them. But what do we do? Instead of going a little deeper, yes, it could be just their soul reached out to yours, and there was some type of merging there or something. But we always say, oh, my God, how weird, how strange. <laughs> and we laugh, we laugh it off. I think there should be something a little more there. You're thinking of a new career, and then you're starting to meet all these people who have the same career. You want to be a nurse. You're in a supermarket or a store. You meet a bunch of nurses behind you. Your soul is trying to place the right people in situations in front of you all the time. And the last one, we don't pay attention. Wake-up calls. So Mm -hmm. the soul tried the dreams, intuition, synchronistic events, and then the wake-up call. And a wake-up call could be a breakup. It could be you get fired from a job. It could be a passing, but not that your soul creates that, but it gets to the point where it leads up to a wake-up call. And that's what I had Uh, many years ago when I had an automobile accident. That was my wake-up call. My life was not in a good place in Los Angeles, and the accident happened, and that was my wake-up call. That's how you know. Intuition, your soul, information will keep coming back to you, whereas imagination or ego will go away. If you're being drawn to something, 
a certain class. You keep saying it every day. You're drawn to a certain person. The same thought keeps coming back. That's usually your soul. That's intuition. Imagination mm-hmm. will come in and go away. Fantastic. That is so well and clearly explained, I find. Thank you. Quite a few years ago, I started to get intuitive guidance that I should create like online stuff. And I hate technological stuff. I just do. I, yep. I just do. And so I just put it to the back side. I was like, no, 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 I don't have time for that. And then it kept coming back and it kept coming back and it kept coming back. And in the end, I just had to sit down and go, okay. You want me to learn this, do you? And it's like, yes. Absolutely. And then all the information started to come from left, right and center. And it's like we ran the summit last year. And I had so much help from you and from other people that I also interviewed. Because obviously you've been doing this for quite a long time by now. And it was like the whole universe then helped me to embrace that my soul wanted me to, to do. And Absolutely. Yeah. It's amazing. Thank you. You know, the same thing happened to me, Sissy, when my mediumship started happening. It was always there. I didn't know it. I saw signs of it as a child and, you know, being very psychic as a kid. But when the people on the other side started showing up after that automobile accident, I didn't die. But the trauma of it, I got my life together. That's when I met my friend Simon, who was at a party in West Hollywood. I started reading books on spiritualism when this happened. And I said, if I could only go to England and study with these people who are called spiritualists. Mm-hmm. Now I know all about them, obviously. It started in America. I met Simon, who lived in England. I got to go over there. The people in England, they opened up their arms. I got to meet Gordon Smith in Scotland and Joan Lambert. The churches took me in. Then I got a book deal from Hay House. One thing led to another. It's been an amazing journey, a long one, but uh, amazing. And I followed it, it uh, just like you did when you kept getting that thought. I'd never been to Europe. I've never left the United States except for the Caribbean ones. And for me to go over there, I just trusted. And I just follow the signs. Not every single sign is going to be your soul. You got to stay real with it. But if it touches you, just like you did with that online thing, where you finally said, okay, this is definitely not me. It's, mm-hmm. uh, it's bigger than me. That's mm-hmm. your soul. Yeah. Because I knew it wasn't me because my head wouldn't even want to begin to think about something like that because it seemed too overwhelming. And I think that's often what happens when the soul speaks to us. It's like it wants us to expand and the mind goes, no. And then if it's really from our soul, then it will just keep coming back and keep coming back, just like you said. Fantastic. That's right. So when you went to England, you must have felt at home. Yes. My friend Simon, he, what he did, because he's so kind. He thought I'd be overwhelmed by England, you know, because uh, he lived in a Victorian home in Bristol overlooking the water. I mean, I grew up in the projects, you know, in the ghetto. So he tried to prepare me of what I was walking into, you know, uh, his home, the area. And, Sissy, I, I felt so at home. I just walked right into that country and I'm like, this is familiar. This yeah. is familiar. And I knew it. There was beauty there. And I'll tell you this, living in England is, is some of the most peaceful memories. It's just a calmness that Mm. comes there to me. I could live there forever. Fantastic. Yeah, I can imagine. So what are the signs that our loved ones may try to contact us? You mentioned a few before, but what are the most common ones that you noticed? Well, my tagline is your loved ones on the other side want to talk to you as much as you want to talk to them. And they try. A lot of people say, John, why can't my mother just show up in front of me? Well, because then you would pass away from shock. People think it's like in the movies, and it's not. It's not that traumatic like that. I mean, it can be, I'm sure. They try to get our attention. They come in our dreams. That's the number one way. And it's called after-death communication. A as in Apple, D as in Dave, C as in Charles, A-D-C. And it was, that term was coined 
by Judy Guggenheim from their book, Hello from Heaven. There's dreams are the number one way. Your loved one is healthier. They're younger. It's usually a fast dream, and it's a happy dream. It's a loving dream. A lot of people will get a hug in the dream like I did once with my mom after a year after she passed. You just know it's really them because your conscious mind has taken a break, and they can slip into your dreams. Another one is aromas. You may smell your mom's cologne, her favorite flower, your dad or grandfather's tobacco, but we explain it away. Someone will say, oh, someone's smoking a pipe, but yet all your windows are closed and Mm. it's in the winter. So uh, we explain it away. You might smell apple pies for some reason and it's aromas. Uh, Electricity is big with them, the blinking light. Mm-hmm. But I stay grounded with it, sis. I say, make sure you check the bulbs. Make sure it yes. has nothing to do with electronics. <laughs> and I think that the uh, other side manipulates energy because their energy, it's easy for them. A lot of people are getting phone calls from their loved ones. And someone who's listening be like, what? We have so many uh, electronic toys now and phones. Your loved one's phone number is in your phone. They passed away. Nobody else has that phone number. But yet the phone rings and their phone number comes up. And then when the person answers, it's usually static. So that's another way that they can come through synchronistic events, putting you at the right place at the right time. You're thinking of your mom, and then right in front of you is her name on a license plate, on a, you know, on a, on a vanity plate. You're thinking of your dad. You turn on the radio just when you're thinking of him. There's the song. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes things go missing. If you have a joker in the family, they love moving things. And all they're trying to do, sissy, is get your attention to say, can they feel me? Do you know I'm here? If you get a uh, synchronistic sign or ADC, just acknowledge them and say, I feel you, dad. I feel you, son, daughter, mom, grandma. Because sometimes it's not a huge message because people say, well, what do they want? They want to let you know that they're there, Mm -hmm. that they love you. Yep, because just because they're not incarnate, which means in the body, now they're discarnate, doesn't mean they're not still close to you. And I would imagine you can also then feel them when you are doing something that they used to do. So, for example, my youngest, when she plays the piano, I can feel my father-in-law around her because he used to play that piano, actually. And it's, Absolutely. And it's, its presence is just there. It's amazing. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, child prodigies, sometimes they're born with this gift of music. Some stay with it. They keep the talent through their whole lives. Some kids do it. They stop playing the piano, never took a lesson. Who's to say that someone on the other side who also knows how to play was gently blending with them? Yeah, helping them and guiding them through that. It's amazing. So with that then, as we start to endeavor in new projects, could it be that we start to attract to us various spirit guides that can help us with these new projects? I totally believe it. And you know that some guides stay and some go, but you have main guides. I really believe that some come and go based on your need. I know when I'm writing, I never went to university or college, but yet sometimes the words that come through me, yes, it could be a part of my psyche. I believe I'm getting help when I'm writing. I really, mm-hmm. really do. And if you do take on a new endeavor, I really believe that you could attract someone who could help you. And who's to say, doctors? Also, I saw a beautiful drawing once, or uh, it was uh, probably done uh, maybe in Photoshop. They showed a doctor operating, and then you saw a spirit doctor behind him guiding his hands, almost blending with the doctor's hands. I thought that was great. And I met a heart surgeon once at one of my conferences. Now, we're talking a heart surgeon, okay? A lot of training. And he said every time he operates, he feels something or someone, but he's always too 
nervous to tell people. I said, you need to tell that kind of story then too. Yeah, I really believe that we do have more help than we know on the other side. Yeah. Wow. So as he operates, he allows himself to also be helped by spirit working Absolutely. through him. Absolutely. Uh, amazing. Yep. So how can we then, because you talked about the, how we can connect with our loved ones, and it is such a great book for that to help find comfort and peace when someone has passed over because obviously the the grieving process is intense however much you prepared for it it's it's just intense to go through that oh, absolutely but with that how can we because obviously they are moving on on their soul's journey so as they leave their body they connect more with their soul even more strongly because there's not this body there to block right. anything so how can we whilst we are in a physical body allow ourselves to be guided onto our highest path so we can actually express our soul purpose here I think, uh, once again, it's spending some quiet time with yourself. And we're such in a hectic place right now, you know, always going, doing, and moving and going. I think you got to take some time for yourself. You got to get off the hamster wheel, if you know what I mean, just to step back, to step back. And so instead of living your life, you're looking at it. People keep saying, I want to do this, I want to do that. But you say to yourself, I don't have the time to. You have to. You have to at least stop and everybody goes back to meditation. You know what I mean? It's the number one way to get quiet, but even if it's five minutes and when you stop meditating, you're going to not only connect to your soul, you're going to connect to the uh, higher vibrations, loved ones on the other side, some spiritual guidance. Mm -hmm. um, so I think meditation and it's, it's a practice and life will try to pull you out of it from doing it because there's always something else to do. But you know what? We dedicate our lives to working, our children, our family. And many people, they have the jobs, they have the family, they got the new car. They fill themselves with physical things around them, thinking this is going to fill my need. This is going to fill me. But yet something is still missing. Something is still missing. That's because you didn't spend time on the soul. You did mm -hmm. everything in the physical world. And when I say time on the soul, it's feeding your soul with meditation. It's feeding your soul, taking some rest for yourself feeding your soul, spending on time on you. And it's not a selfish thing to spend some time on yourself. And one person said to me, well, why would I want to even pay attention to my spirit side? I said, are you kidding me? You are a spiritual being and a physical being. To just live in the physical and not honor your spiritual or to live in the, because you know, sissy, some people take spirituality way too far and they pull away from the physical. To live one side only is to, to live a life half-lived. Mm. It really is. We are and always will be spiritual beings with unlimited potential. And there's more help than you know also. And I always, some people say, well, do you have anything you want to leave us with? Pay attention to this life. This is the life that's important. The other side is beautiful, but you made the choice to come here. You got to live up the time here. Enjoy this life. Be good to the people that are in your life now. Say what you have to say to the people in your life now, sissy, because there are many people who are listening. They're fighting with a sibling or a mother or a dad, and they refuse to talk to them. And then something happens, sadly, and then you never had the chance, and there's that regret. I'd say to people, if you haven't talked to someone in a long time, if you had an argument, and a lot of people can't even remember why they're not speaking, send a card and say, can we talk? I'm still your sister. I'm here for you. You don't know what could happen. It could change your relationship here. Life happens too fast, sissy. Mm -hmm. Anything happens in a blink of an eye. So if you reach out to someone, or if you tried and they didn't reach back, You'll never have to say, hopefully, I should have, could have, or would have. Yeah, and I think that's beautiful. 
I noticed my father did that uh, before. We didn't know, obviously, that he was going to pass, and he didn't know either. He nearly died. It was in November, many years ago. And then from November until he finally died in August, we later found out that he'd used that time to try and make amends with people. He'd phoned them, he tried to have a conversation with them. And it was as if his soul finally came through to help him pass more peacefully. Is that something you noticed? Yep. And it's funny. And I talk about deathbed visions also in the DBVs as opposed to ADCs. And I think that the closer we get to passing, and some people, they may not even know it. They have no idea that they're on a physical level that they're passing. They seem everyone, everything's healthy, but yet for some reason, somebody loses someone. And then they say, you know what? He started talking to people a lot more. He, he reached out to people a lot more, just like you said. My father went to see our financial advisor and he got his will in order. Some people don't even know why they're making those moves. And it's almost like their soul is getting them ready to pass. So situations are taken care of here. Now, I don't want people to think, well, wait a minute, I just got my will done. Does that mean I'm going to go? No, it's when people start to notice they were doing things at the end of that person's life. So yeah, absolutely. And I bet your dad, that's exactly probably what happened. And he was not a spiritual person at all. So, you know, it was quite amazing because he was a severe alcoholic and he'd lived a very very turbulent life. So he had many, many amends to make with people. And at his funeral, we realized we, he had tried to reach out to all of them. Absolutely. And just before somebody passes away also, they know that they're going to pass. Their physical body is leaving and their spiritual body is coming more forward. That's why mm. a lot of people are about to pass. They can project themselves. It happened to my cousin. I wrote this in a book. My Aunt Shirley, who was passed away from breast cancer. My cousin Dolly said she knew she needed to go to the hospital right away. Nobody called. The hospital didn't call. She just felt it. And she went there. And it was just in time for my aunt to slip away while she was holding her hand. Almost like my Aunt Shirley's spirit was reaching out. So that's why they can see people on the other side, deathbed visions. When they start seeing people in their bedroom or looking up at a light, it's because they're leaving their physical body and their spiritual body is becoming more stronger as the physical body dies. So in essence, they're becoming true to who they really are, a psychic spiritual being. Yeah, beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. If you'd like to find out more about John Holland and his work, then visit johnholland.com. Wishing you lots of love until our next week's episode.